everyone. Welcome to Reluctantly Adult, an advice podcast for people who believe they shouldn't be allowed to adult. I'm your host, Charmel Scipio, and I reluctantly adult. For the month of May, we are going to be talking about motherhood and sort of how people relate to that in the sense of what they think of it and sort of how they approach it, either through having children or the choice not to have children or the choice to postpone it for a while. In today's episode, I speak with Sherelle and Lakeisha about their becoming moms. Uh, Right now, they are expecting their children um, within the next nine to uh, 20 weeks, I think it is. And they speak to me about what motherhood means to them, sort of how they connect to it. Um, They talk to me about how they feel as black moms and, you know, bringing black babies into the world in its current state. Uh, And they also share with me sort of the best parts and the worst parts about currently being pregnant. Um, They are really, really fun conversations. Uh, First up, we start with Sherelle, and it's a very enlightening conversation um, around just certain things that I I just never thought of um, and I never considered because I'm not pregnant, but it it was definitely a lot of fun to to speak with Sherelle, and I hope you all enjoy. Welcome to Reluctantly Adult. Please introduce yourself to the people. My name is Sherelle, and I am 31 weeks pregnant. 31 weeks. So you have about nine weeks left to go, theoretically. Yes, if I make it all the way. <laughs> so is it is it common to make it all the way or, or no, like to be like a little bit early or a little bit late? I don't know. So, so I heard with the first child, it's common for you to go all 40, which um, this is my first child. Mm-hmm. However, my baby is so active that I just don't believe him that he's going to go all 40. <laughs> So my guess is right now is um, 38 weeks that I'm going to go. Okay. Yes. Okay. Does your family have like, have like a pool going of like, yes, <laughs> of the weight and like when he's coming? Not the weight, but again, they're like, you're dancing all over the place. You're being like so energetic. Your baby is not going to stay in there. <laughs> so they think that I'm going to have like a 4th of July baby. Oh, okay. That would be neat. Mm-hmm. That's a fun birthday. That's a, yes. that's a fun birthday every year. Like, that's solid. That That is definitely You get free solid. barbecue on your birthday. <laughs> Who do, and fireworks. And fireworks. And fireworks. <laughs> and you and Dante don't have to pay for it. Like, that's fantastic. Yes. Very fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so what I wanted to ask you um, about, you know, imminently becoming a mom is sort of when you think of motherhood, what does that bring up for you? It just brings up for me, like, nurturing and also the word ride or die Mm -hmm. comes to mind because when you think about someone that you care about more than anything, you think, I'm a ride or die for them, Mm -hmm. which means when they do things that upset you, um, when they are not doing everything right or when they are loving, very loving and doing everything perfectly, it's just you're always there. Mm Mm-hmm. And so that's the first thing I think of with motherhood, because I think of the times that I may have messed up in school or, you know, talk back to my mom, but nothing would ever affect her love for me. Mm -hmm. And so that unconditional, um, biblically, they call it agape love Mm -hmm. (laughs) is what comes to mind. That's beautiful. Um, Do you have any expectations of of what, 
what you should or should not be doing as a mom? Like, like, do you have these preconceived notions of, of what's expected of you? Yeah, I think, um, I think it's expected for me to slow down mm-hmm. on my career a little bit. Um, right now I'm a consultant, uh, for a very large firm mm-hmm. and it, sometimes requires a lot of hours of work um, and as well as internal engagement projects. Mm -hmm. So I realized that I may have to take a little bit longer to climb the ladder than I have in the past Mm -hmm. and just put more focus and energy into nurturing my child so they can develop and honestly be better than me. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, what does it feel like to to be imminently becoming a mom? Exciting and very scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, scary because my husband and I have a lifestyle that is do whatever you want. <laughs> um, we've been together for almost seven years. And that's a long time to have a habit of doing whatever you want. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, You know, even though we have been married for a few years, like other than paying bills together and, you know, doing some things like buying a home, we really just go out and we like to travel and try new things and Mm -hmm. just anything. And so now we have to kind of think about our little ones first. So that's really scary because we've been putting ourselves first for seven years. Absolutely. So can you tell me what is the best thing about being pregnant? Uh Best thing is that I can be a little diva princess. (laughs) (laughs) do whatever I want. Like literally I can say I, for example, last night I was hungry in the middle of the night and I decided not to wake up my husband. Mm -hmm. And this morning he says to me, why didn't you tell me? I'm like, wait a minute. Now, if this was me not pregnant and I woke him up in the middle of the night saying I want a burger, that wouldn't go so well. Right. Right. So, I like the special treatment. You know, everyone <laughs> smiles at you. Right. Everyone tells you how cute you are. And if you get a nasty attitude, <laughs> which I do sometimes, mm-hmm. everyone just says, oh, it's it's okay. It's her hormones. Poor thing. And really, <laughs> I'm just being ignorant. But it's right. I get away with it. That's so I love that. <laughs> Has there been anything where you're like, I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ham up this pregnancy. And just everyone's going to have to deal with it. Like, has there been a moment where you're just been like, it's because I'm pregnant. Leave me alone. Yes. Um, there is a guy in my job that I don't <laughs> like. And I didn't like him before I was pregnant. And I don't like him now. Right. But I would like, I would border, I would border disrespect at a certain point. Right. Um, because I would pretend like I just couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle his annoyance and I would lose my temper a little bit on him and everyone would just say I know Sherelle you know I get it like he he's aggravating it's fine and I'm like if that was me not pregnant they'd be like Sherelle what is wrong with you that is not how you behave in a professional setting right you know (laughs) so I know that I can kind of like I definitely used it as a complete excuse to be ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious, actually. Like, now I'm just like, huh. 
<laughs> excuse to tell people there. what you think. Exactly. I was, I'm, t- I'm telling it like it is pregnant and I am getting away with it every time. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. So, so if that's the best thing about being pregnant, what's the worst thing about being pregnant? Um, worst thing about being pregnant, hmm, perhaps won't send my mom this podcast with me saying this, <laughs> but like, I would say some of the toughest, I'll give you a couple if that's mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, that's fine. A few of the things that are difficult is sex is more difficult because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm big as a house <laughs> at this point and it's really, you don't feel very hot or right. attractive. right. So I would say that is one thing you have to like, you have to be flexible to like try something different outside of your normal routine because your normal routine will not work when you have a giant ball in front of you. Um, (laughs) And (laughs) it's very awkward. So that's one of the worst parts because I feel like, a little uncomfortable in my, my sexuality, mm-hmm. you know, as far as how I express it. And the other thing I would say is, um, no wine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I enjoy myself some wine. Right. And after work, especially with the kind of hours that I sometimes work, I like to have a glass of wine and watch Scandal. Yes. And I've been eating, na- drinking, sorry, nasty, you know, Welch's or whatever brand, sparkling <laughs> juice, and it's just not the same. And uh, so I'm looking forward to having my wine down moments again. Mm-hmm. My wine down. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That is fantastic. That is so good. Like, oh my goodness. That, yes, wind those, down. Those are actually like, I, I don't think that, uh, aside from the wine, because I think everyone complains about that. Like, they're just like, I just want alcohol again because life is yes. fun. Um I think I, I don't think that I've had anyone sort of mention like how they feel as an eminent mom or sort of as the worst part of being um, pregnant is just sort of like you don't feel comfortable. So, well, not mm-hmm. that you don't feel comfortable, but that like you don't feel comfortable in your own skin to a certain degree. And in that, yeah. there's a confidence that is is sort of lost in that sometimes. And, Absolutely. And thereby, like you don't feel sexy and you not that you don't feel like you want to engage with your partner, but that mm-hmm. there's this sort of weird underlying layer that you don't necessarily feel I don't want to say worthy of that attention but it's just like there's there's a certain level of attention that you don't want because you're uncomfortable in general um right like how can I be seen as attractive in mm -hmm. this moment with my giant belly and and now at 31 weeks um (laughs) you know skin stretching like out of control you know how can how can my spouse be seeing me this way? Right, and so it may not even be your your spouse or significant other. It's more it's more the pregnant person. Mm-hmm. You don't feel like you kind of want them to say like to stop looking at you because right. you're like, let's be honest, I'm not hot right now. Like, why are you trying to pretend? Right, right. <laughs> so that I, that's been a big thing for me. 
And I mean, and I think that's fair, though. Like, I think that is that is a fair sort of judgment, I, I guess, I guess against yourself, because if that is, mm-hmm. you know, if that's truly how you feel, then, you know, you got to put it out there how it is. Um, yeah. But I would I would love to interview Dante to see how he feels on the other side. Mm. Um, Interesting. To know if that's actually true. Um and I would actually like to interview a lot of other expectant dads to kind of see where they fall on that spectrum. Um, yeah. Because that, that, w- that would be an interesting question to ask folks. Um, thank you for that. <laughs> there you go. I'm glad. I'm glad it came up. <laughs> um, so what I want to, what I want to ask you and what I want to jump into is sort of, um, you know, you're, you're a black mom and you're, you're going to yep. have a black baby, um, a son and, you know, how how do you feel giving birth to a son in, in this country at this current time? So, one, giving birth to a son in general is a little scary because mm-hmm. I grew up with sisters. I don't I didn't have not grown up around um, boys. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have no brothers. <laughs> so I'm like, OK, what do I do? Right, right. <laughs> I, I have not a clue. So I started volunteering at the church and just like holding babies, you know, boy, Mm -hmm. male babies and changing male babies because I'm like, I'm my poor child is going to be screwed over because (laughs) I have not a clue (laughs) what I'm doing. But as far as raising a black son in America, um, there's like a few key, key values that I want to instill, which is unfortunately that you're black and things are different for you, Mm -hmm. especially as a male. And although Dante nor I like to focus on race when we are deciding who we're going to befriend or who we're going to have close relationships with, um, we still have to always remember our blackness in Mm -hmm. the midst of that. And so I want to instill that same style in my kid, which is, I really don't care if your best friend is white. Just remember that you're black. Right. And so if you're out, just don't be surprised. Unfortunately, if something happens to you and not the other person in the sense of being discriminated against or, you know, having to be a lot more careful. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I really want it to be a balanced approach. I don't want it to be approach of, stay around your people only because they, they get you because I think that's half of the problem with America mm-hmm. is that we are either one extreme or the other. We're like racist to the point where we don't respect other races mm-hmm. or we are um, oblivious. Right. <laughs> so um, I would like to to hope that I have a balance that I can instill in my children, which is remember who you are, remember what that means for you, but do not let that be the basis in which you make your decisions on who you um, develop relationships with. Right. And don't allow it to be sort of limiting either. Limiting. Yes. So then yes. let me, let me exactly. ask you about, let's dive into sort of the, the more balancing side of it of how do you, as you know, as you're raising your child sort of balance that allowing your child to be exactly that a child, but also keeping them aware sometimes of situations in which it's like, okay, you're going to get away with this for now, but 
don't be surprised if, you know, one day it seems like a light switch came on and you're no longer allowed to to do certain things or you're held at a level that seems higher than someone else. So Mm-hmm. And let me clarify this question because I feel like I, I actually I just, understood you. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I mm-hmm. I, I listened to um, uh, a a show um, called Conversations About Race, and one of the hosts, Raquel Cepeda, said that she has this hard time. Her her other children um, are girls, and they're older, um, and she says she has this hard time with identifying whether or not she is reprimanding her son because he actually did something wrong versus reprimanding him or or holding him back from doing something uh, because he doesn't want other people to look at him and say, um, well, he's just doing that because he's X color. You know what I mean? And she's trying to Mm -hmm. kind of protect him from that and keep his innocence, but at the same time also say, after a certain time, son, you're not going to be able to do this. And she said that she goes back and forth about balancing that um, how do you feel about that that potential balancing act that, that you may have to sort of um, deal with? I think that it's inevitable, mm-hmm. uh, whether you have a black daughter or a black son, to mm-hmm. be honest. Um, I think it's inevitable where, when it comes to um, issues of beauty, right? When it comes to black females, mm-hmm. you know, I'm dark skinned. So I had those, I had those balancing acts just from that, mm-hmm. you know, of having to define beauty and needing my parents help to help me understand that against what was out there right for the sons it's more action items right Mm -hmm. don't play with a water gun that's black and looks legit you know don't you know you can't bust out your plastic sword in the middle of the street if you're playing with a white kid because someone's going to (laughs) assume that you're bad or you're doing something wrong um, I think those are things that I have some years before I have to deal with. Right. I don't think that that's going to be an issue when he's two or three. I think it really starts to kind of kick in as you get into school. Mm-hmm. I would say that it's going to be a balancing act maybe from the age of about seven. Mm-hmm. That would be my guess is the sweet spot because when you're little – Um, Not only do you not understand the discrimination or what your expectations are, but neither do do your non-minority friends, right? right? So when you go outside and you go play with kids, they're white, black, Puerto Rican, Chinese, whatever, you know, nobody has any expectations when they're younger. It's because of the, their parents instilling certain values in them over time that causes that, Mm -hmm. that flip of the switch that you referred to. Absolutely. So I think probably somewhere in the middle of elementary school is when they'll start to pick up on something, not necessarily understanding why they might just say, mommy, this person was mean to me because of this. Mm-hmm. And that's when I will use it as an idea, as a, as a starting port point, essentially right, to right. say, okay, I'm going to have to have the talk, mm-hmm. you know, not the sex talk, but the, you know, racism talk or the, this is what it means to be black in America mm-hmm. talk. But uh, there's always a way to articulate that to a child in a way that they can understand in a way that's not depressing. Absolutely. I don't want to, you know what I mean? Hopefully I can maybe find some like kid book about it. You know what I mean? That will 
that will explain it a little bit mm-hmm. in a in a less intimidating way. Right. <laughs> and then I'll be able to break it down to them, you know, further as time time goes. But I'd like to hope and pray that they'd be safe until, you know, at least midway through elementary school before I have to start teaching them what it really, really means to be African-American. And it's very unfortunate that this has to be even a subject. Yeah. And, and you know, so growing up before, before my brother was born, so there's a, an 11 year difference between me and my brother. My dad always had this, like what, what I looked at as like obsession or sort of like preoccupation with us not playing with toy guns. Like it didn't matter if they were bright lime green or what, like he was just like, no, absolutely not. Like no toy guns in my house. And we always were just like, why? Like, it's not a big deal. Like it's a water gun, like whatever. And then like, I want to say probably um, maybe two years ago, like after Tamir Rice, mm-hmm. Then I like mm-hmm. then it all clicked and I was just like, oh, my God, like I understand, you know, why he was so sort of like adamant about like absolutely adamant about this. And because I always thought like even with my little brother, like my dad would let him play like those war video games. And I'm just like, how is this worse or better than, you know, yeah. playing with it with a plastic gun in the backyard? Um And then, like, after Tamir Rice, like, I understand, like, there are even certain toys that you have to be cognizant about, you know, what you allow your child as, you know, a black child to play with. Like, even if you had a daughter, more to to the point that you were saying about beauty standards, like, at the very least, now you can seek out, you know, black Barbies, and now they have the sort of diverse line of different body types and different things like that. Um, Yeah, but even with the sun, like, and sometimes they are just attracted to those things. And you're just like, I'm sorry, son, for you, this is not a toy that is safe for you to play with because inherently it jeopardizes your life, your safety. Um, mm. And that, like, that's heavy to, to kind of put onto a kid, like you were saying before. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, like, as a parent, your sort of overarching guide is to, you know, protect this child and to also you know like you said unwaveringly love this child you know just through yeah. and through and sort of having to put those protections around them it's just like it's inherently going to feel unfair to them and it may take them until you know they're 26 or 27 or even 30 mm-hmm. to understand why yeah. you put some of those rules and restrictions on them um yeah you know, to ensure that they kind of go forward and, and, and are, you know, at their best. I'm going, you, you've already mentioned your husband. So I'm, I'm going to assume that, you know, the two of you already have like a very tight knit sort of relationship and you're walking forward into this. Um, yeah. What do you think of the idea of it taking a village to raise a child, you know, to ensure that that child has um, sort of complete access to the world in one way or another? So, um, I don't know about all that. (laughs) Um, I, I didn't really get raised by a village. Mm -hmm. I got really raised by my grandparents and my parents. Mm -hmm. And however, when I think of village to raise a child, I'm thinking my, I'm carting my kids off. You know, you've got the neighbor's house, you've got the different parents all around you. And I really just don't want that many different ideas being inserted 
into my child's mind mm-hmm. before he's mature enough to create his own mentality. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was more college that I started to hear more about the world and and understand things um, more holistically. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I had already had some instilled values in myself, but I was able to tweak some opposite of what my parents um, think because I was smart enough and mature enough to do so at that point. Right. But um, I think it's very important for my kid to be exposed to different things. Mm -hmm. So when I say village to raise a child, no. But what I will say is with my monitoring, (laughs) expose them to all different things. Mm -hmm. That's that's how I plan to diversify. So my husband and I are tight-knit, and we would probably be, like, hovering over our child and (laughs) barely want anyone to touch them or talk to them or babysit them or do anything. But what we will do is make sure that if our kid goes to – a white school that he goes to a black church or if he goes to a white church that we send him to a black school or a diverse school. Mm -hmm. We just want to make sure that he is never, that he's very cultured. Okay. And I'm saying white or black, but I mean many uh, all the way across the board, just just to clarify. Um, But I think Dante and I's approach is going to be very hands on and Mm -hmm. very protective. Mm -hmm while also still making sure we kind of like let him put his foot in the water of, of different things. Right. So let's talk about that then. The idea of school, like for me, like, I don't know, like when I, when I think about like sending a kid to school, like I automatically think, Oh, I have to send my kid to private school. Um, And it's not necessarily because I received a bad education in public school. Um, Yeah. It's just, I don't know, like, I, I just feel like there there are certain levels of access that are granted. Um, so sort of what are the ideas around education that you and your husband are, are, are thinking of applying to your child, both before mm-hmm. they actually get into school and then um, once they do get into school? Yep. So public school is terrifying for me. Yeah. Um, however, I feel like public school... There's there's two sides to it. I graduated from private school, mm-hmm. but I also mostly grew up going to public. So I actually have a pretty clear idea of both. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the thing. Public school exposes my child to more opportunities for ac- different extracurricular, mm-hmm. um, getting scholarships, getting, if he plays sports, getting into a good college to play sports. Because nobody respects private school sports, let's be honest. Um, I was a star basketball player in private school, but I would probably get crossed over and fall if I played against someone from a good public school. Right. So um, I think that there's certain levels that public school exceed private. Mm-hmm. As far as education-wise, I feel like I got a better education. I was challenged more in private school. Mm -hmm. And education means more to me than my son being an excellent um, athlete Mm -hmm. or, you know, anything like that. So I would personally prefer, depending on if my funds allow it, to put my kid in a maybe not private school, but a charter school Mm -hmm. where they kind of quote unquote, as they like to say, weed out the bad kids, mm-hmm. 
<laughs> so whereas that way his poor experiences, which he will have some on unfortunately, will be limited. Right. And if I can limit the amount of hurt that my child goes through, that's what I want to do. So I would say um, as far as approaching education before he's old enough to go to school, mm-hmm. um, we we want to diversify, like I said, and we want him to be well-rounded really before he even walks, walks into school doors. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go into our nursery already, we've got books to learn Spanish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've got like little, you know, for kids yep. and books that you have to read music <laughs> to, oh, that's good. to play the little keyboard on the book, you know, and my husband plays piano. So he really actually can teach him these little things. Right. And, um, you know, Dr. Seuss, just, just educational, but entertaining books. Mm-hmm. And that's how I want to approach him learning. I want him to think mommy and daddy are like the funnest people ever. Mm-hmm. Like, why are they so hyper? But they're really <laughs> smart. Right. You know? And that's kind of how I want to approach education before they get to school. Mm-hmm. Um, that they know a little bit of Spanish words, but they also can tinker on the piano a little bit uh, with their daddy. And they can, you know, just basically know a little bit of something in Mm -hmm. many areas before they walk in. Um, And as far as school, I would say I would rather a charter or private school than Mm -hmm. public because of everything that I've seen people go through in public school. You know, you, we just had what that teenager beat up to death in a, in a bathroom in Delaware. Mm -hmm. That kind of thing terrifies me because, you know, Dante and I are, we're like nice people. We're not fighters, you know, and I don't want to raise my kid to be a fighter either. And we're both blind. So he'll likely (laughs) wear glasses. And so he likely won't be, you know, Mr. Smooth talker down the street. He'll be the one who is likable and smart, you know, and likable and smart may not always work out great in public school, but Mm -hmm. it's tend to work out fine in private for me. Yeah, and you know that's that's actually a very a very fair sort of, I guess, dissection of of the the different sort of realms that you can enter into as far as education mm-hmm. is concerned. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've been sort of in a number of those circles as as far as, uh, you know, having to defend yourself in public school. Um, because sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes shit gets real in there, and it's just like, yeah. I mean, I was dropping bows because I had to, but I didn't right. want to. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Like it, it. I would much rather not, but you know, when pushed, one must do what they they have to. Absolutely, I never started. Right, but but I will finish something up quite quickly. Oh yes, oh yes. <laughs> but, but I like your idea of saying like I would much rather not have to even have to have that conversation with my kid. Um, and, mm-hmm. and to your point, like you understand the temperament of you and your husband. So that inherently means mm-hmm. like that's going to be a temperament that may be well set into your child. So if, yes. if you guys are, are lovers and not fighters, it would be quite hard to kind of try to even change your mindset to have to put your child into that mindset. If it's, it's mm-hmm. if it's not even something that's natural to the two of you. No. Now he might, my husband might not agree. He might say he's a lover and I'm a fighter, but (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm a sweetheart. So it's fine. Um, 
I, I would like to, I, I do think I'm a lover. I think we are both lovers and not fighters. Mm-hmm. I think that I unfortunately was forced into learning how to be a fighter. Right. And that's something I just don't want my kid to have to deal with because mm-hmm. it's stupid. It's honestly dumb. When you think back of the fights from middle school and high school and mm-hmm. stuff, like it literally means nothing, right. nothing. What, what means something is for you to get good grades Mm-hmm. You know, and if you're not the most popular, I don't care because they'll all come running to you when you have a master's degree and whatever you decided to pursue. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so laugh now. And uh, one of those like back then they didn't want me. Now I'm hot. They all on me. That's what's going (laughs) to happen to you. So don't worry about getting all the ladies now. Worry about your education. Don't worry about fighting and seeming cool. Worry about being smart and mm-hmm. having a lot to offer the world because they're going to come back thirsty as heck later. You should you should put that you should put that on on your wall. Like you should just stencil that on the nursery wall, like or or on the back, back of the then door. They didn't want me. Now I'm hot. They're on me. Yep. You should just just stencil that right on the wall. <laughs> it's like your first life lesson right there son like trust me on this don't worry about them right now <laughs> you got this son like don't worry about it um, you got this <laughs> so I want to ask you like how wh- where do you land on social media being integrated into your parenting as far as like sharing videos and and photos and different things like that so for me, um, I live very far, like very, very far mm-hmm. from where I grew up, um, about 10 out, almost 10 hours away mm-hmm. if you drive. And so sometimes it can be really uncomfortable for me to try to communicate with um, all the people I have relationships with. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very outgoing. And so I have a ton of family and friends that I care about, but it can be too too much right. <laughs> to try to call personally and text personally. So for me, I think I integrate social media a good bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I keep my page on lockdown. If you're not my friend, so you mm-hmm. can't see everything or anything like that. Um, if you like Google me and click on my Facebook, you're not going to see my whole life story. It's going to be pretty shut down. Right. But to the people that I've entrusted with viewing my content, I, t- I tend to be pretty open. I mm-hmm. tend to, speak my mind and <laughs> I probably will be the same as far as parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't be posting any pictures of my kid without clothes on because that just like pisses me off. Mm-hmm. But um, I will share photos of what they're doing that may be adorable or cute. Um, that being said, with limitation, right. I know that you don't want to see my cute baby seven days a week, um, 365 days a year, right. because then it's not really that cute anymore. Right. Um, and uh, my likes will drop significantly, I'm sure. <laughs> It'll be like, oh, there's Desmond again. Right. He looks exactly the same as he did yesterday. <laughs> so um, I'm going to try my best. I know the excitement of being a first-time parent is um, it's probably going to all of my um, – all of my good mind will probably 
be out the window and I'll probably <laughs> will be aggravating and you'll have to like block me off Facebook and be like, we cool, just text me. Right, right. <laughs> but but I, I think that I don't see a problem with it. Mm-hmm. I know some people make a big deal about it. I think I don't think it's a big deal as long as one, you clean your Facebook up and don't have people on there that you don't like like that or you don't right. talk to like that. If you take the time to like keep your maintenance up and you keep your privacy settings really good, mm-hmm. I don't see the big deal. Yeah. I mean, as far as as far as like blocking people or or not not following people uh, with children, um, I tend to just do that in real life. Um, and I don't <laughs> <laughs> like and, and I and I don't mean it to be sort of like insensitive or what have you but at the very least like when you're when your child is between the ages of zero to like five like before they can even go to daycare they require a lot of attention a lot of your attention and a lot of that attention is sort of taken away from your friends um or even your extended family to that matter and sort of yeah I understand that on any given day, like I'm not going to beat this kid for attention. So I'm just like, you know what? Let me just take a step back and sort of give you the space that you need. And like, if you need anything from me, then you know where I am, but I'm not going to be sort of that person. That's just kind of like out in front. And also a, a part of it is just that from zero to five, your whole life as a parent is all about this kid. And if I don't, if I don't have children, there are some things that I just, we just can't relate to because even if it comes to like TV shows or something like that, you have a responsibility. So there's no way that you're able to sort of keep up on it on a regular basis sometimes. So it's just like, I can't even tell you about that episode of scandal because you're like, girl, I'm like three episodes behind. Like I can't even like, I don't know what (laughs) Melly and Cyrus did. I'm sure it was crazy. Oh no. Did, you know, Sally Langston come through and shank somebody again? What happened? I don't know. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you this. I I have no intent to fall behind on my shoes. Um, (laughs) It's, So if that means uh, hubby gets baby when scandal's on, that's what that means. Right. Because I just, you know, uh, moms and parents, we need decompressed moments as Mm -hmm. well. And unfortunately for like single parents, that is what you're describing is likely the case. Mm -hmm. But when you have um, a partnership and and me having a husband who's who's very um, attentive, Mm -hmm. I think that he'll be like, oh, you're sure it's almost nine. Go downstairs. You know, I got this. You got a bottle up here. All right, I'm good. You know, however, I do agree with some of what you said in the sense that you are going to be consumed and obsessed with your child Mm -hmm. for the first five years. Mm -hmm. I do completely agree with that. And I think that there's balance that could be had with the amount that people share how much they're obsessed with their child (laughs) in the first five years because nobody cares. Um, But yeah. I mean, I I have no problem with just going in and quietly unfollowing your page. Like we're not we're and still friends, knows. but I'm just going to And nobody knows. Gonna take that <laughs> off there and uh I'm just going to Desmond, I'm sorry, but like uh, buddy, I'm tired of seeing your face. Adorable. I'll I'll follow your mom's Snapchat story, but I, <laughs> I can't I can't do it on I can't Facebook do it anymore. Too. Like this is <laughs> this is a lot. Yeah, no, but I, <laughs> but you know and and I I actually appreciate like parents that are just like look at my kid I'm so excited about this like I, I actually think that that's a lot of fun and it's it's really cute but I'm also this weird type of person that 
uh, what's the what's the word I'm going for? Seemingly void of feelings. Yes. And it's just oh, like I have I have a lot of friends like that, ironically. <laughs> like it's it's just one of those things where it's just like, oh God, not again. Ugh. Yeah. Like I just Or wanna, awkward. You feel awkward, right? Yeah, like I I can't I kinda don't know where to put it and I'm just like let me just have another mimosa mm-hmm. and then I'll feel better afterward. Like I don't know. I don't know what's <laughs> happening. Yeah, it's 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 quite interesting to say the least. Um yes. so I wanna ask you, um, have you thought about or asked for a push present? So I ain't never heard of that thing. <laughs> okay. Um, until you told me, let's right. be honest. Never. I'm like, what is a push present? And, you know, ever since I learned about what this push present is, I've been trying to change push present to every other kind of present. So <laughs> I've been like, I should get uh, a present for going to work every day, even though I'm big as a house right now. Right. Um, I should get a filling out these thank you cards present. Like, yes. I've been trying to learn, figure out how to milk this thing that you've taught me about. You want like um, a pregnant life present. Yes. Yeah. Yes. A pregnant life present that I, I want a stretch marks present. Because <laughs> I didn't have them, and now I do. Right. So, right. you know, um, but I'm just being silly. But um, as far as a push present, um, I would say wine, but I got a ton from my housewarming party the other week. Okay. So I think I'm set. Um, I would say a good push present for me would be something I can't use right away, but I will certainly hold on to it, Yep. which is a hotel stay for a couple of days in like Charleston where I can just like go away. It's only two hours from here. I can get back if needed. Just send me by myself, not even with you. Yep. There you go. (laughs) Send me by myself so I can just relax and go out and shop and go to the water and relax. I think that would be an excellent push present. Do you need some, like, is is there like a petition that we need to sign for you or... (laughs) You know, if you if you just get this movement going, exactly. If you just get this movement going, like I got your back, I got your back. Like a GoFundMe account, essentially. Uh, I don't know about a GoFundMe. I don't just do (laughs) obligatory giving. Uh, I'm one of those people that's against that. GoFundMe. (laughs) But you know, but I'll sign a petition. Right, like like. But if you just need my email address to kind of you know put you (laughs) over the edge, I will give you my junk email address for your your change.org petition or something. Thing. like I got you oh I got you no gosh. problem um so I want to wrap up our our interview which has been absolutely hilarious I love this um <laughs> with the signature question of my podcast and that is sure. what is the best advice you have never taken best advice I have never taken mm-hmm. is having my savings account on fleek <laughs> the only time <laughs> the only time my savings account was on fleek was to buy this house and right. then it got depleted. And so so um learning how to save even if I don't have anything specific that I'm saving for. Mm-hmm. Um in buying the house I was able to realize how much money we blow because right. we were able to save the money fairly quickly. So it just showed me how much we waste. So right. my my best advice to myself to follow would be 
get get thousands in your savings account. Right. Everyone tells you it's good to have an emergency fund. Start listening. Right. <laughs> so that would be mine. That is that's actually great advice. I mean, I certainly should follow that. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It is hard. You're like, make it rain. I paid my bills. I make it rain outside of that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, how am I supposed to deny myself brunch? Like, what? That is oh, ridiculous. my God. Yes. I just, matter of fact, I just spent $25 at Waffle House this morning <laughs> for breakfast. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Like, how am I supposed to deny myself these luxuries? This the luxuries. I work hard for that. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly so you get me like uh, my god i like, completely do sure if i go to work every day it's real hard <laughs> <laughs> exactly like if i go to work every day like i deserve to treat myself like hashtag Absolutely. treat yourself all day treat yourself that is our <laughs> hashtag for the podcast exactly uh sherelle thank you so much for being a guest on reluctantly adult i really appreciate it absolutely it was my pleasure and i really enjoyed it as well And that's it. I really appreciate Sherelle being so open and honest in this particular interview. Um, I hadn't had anyone bring up in, in the time that I talked about doing this sort of how they relate to their partner sexually while pregnant. So I really appreciate her being open and honest and upfront about that. Um, I also appreciate sort of all of the foresight that she put into sort of wanting to teach her kid like interesting skills that both she and her husband have and wanting to impart them onto her child before uh, he gets into school and also thinking about his personality and allowing his personality to come through and you know really really being meticulous about the types of people that she keeps around her child Um, it was incredibly refreshing to talk to her about that and it was a lot of fun In this next section, I speak with Lakeisha about her approach to her imminent sort of motherhood and how she sees the challenges of, you know, raising a black child, as well as sort of how she feels about those things and around some of the very, very strange food cravings that she has had and, you know, the difficulty she's had with getting her fiance on board for her push present. Enjoy. Reluctantly adult, please introduce yourself to the people. Hello, my name is Lakeisha and I am 17 weeks pregnant. 17 weeks pregnant. So that, and how many weeks is it total? It's 40, 40 40. weeks total. So I'm almost to the halfway point. Okay. All right. So like straight off the bat, when you hear the word motherhood, like what does that mean for you? What does that conjure up for you? Um, It means like taking care of a a person and being responsible for them, um, mm-hmm. making sure that they have the best, making sure that I think every, I hope every generation um, tries to do better than what the, the, the previous generation has done. So it, it means nurturing and caring and educating and making sure that my child becomes a productive adult. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think, 
I don't know. Like, I don't know what it brings up for me. Like, for me, it, it, it to your point of, like, generations, it brings up sort of the thought of, like, my mom and, like, my grandma and sort of, like, my aunt. And just sort of all of that, like, history that's sort of inherently, like, coded into who you are. Absolutely. But, like, it's, it's loved into you. Yeah. And not, like... Like, I, I know a lot of things about my family, but I don't think that they were ever expressly told to me. Right. Like, I think it was just inherently imparted on me, like, through my mom and just through sort of, like, love and example through that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what does it feel like to imminently be becoming somebody's mom? Um, initially, like, I'm super, 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 super excited. Um, but I think it's scary. It's It's having, like, this child who, first of all, the, the crap, I keep on going back to this, oh crap, I'm going to have to have a human being come out of me. <laughs> and that right there is probably one of the scariest things ever. I've seen right. a birth live and it was my godsons. And I was just like, um, maybe we might want to reconsider this whole pregnancy right. thing. Um, that was three years ago. But it's it, it's it's kind of scary because for the, like the first few months this child it will no for for a while this child is completely dependent upon you Mm -hmm. and so you just don't want to screw it up it's like you know it's the only job if you screw it up like you don't get fired from it but if you screw it up you're gonna fuck it up real bad right absolutely (laughs) like you know you look at all these people who like make crazy decisions and you're like who the fuck raised these like you know, like who the hell was your mama right and so you know i just don't ever want somebody look at my child and go who the hell was your mama <laughs> like i think i think that is true like i think like the idea of of imminent like i think i would be like so anxiety ridden of like the idea of becoming someone's mom. Like the one thing that I'm responsible for is a dog. Like, and most of the time, like he knows when he's not feeling good. Cause he just goes out back and eats some grass. Grass. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And so for like the first few months, like you got to pay attention to like fevers and body temperatures. And then I just found out literally like, yesterday that you no longer like put babies in cribs with blankets and i'm like well what the hell do you cover them with and they're like oh no you put them in a little pod and they get swaddled and i'm like my baby's gonna freeze to death are you serious and then they're like (laughs) well i mean and so everything that you have kind of like that i thought i knew right now with technology changing and with people doing like all of these new things like you never know like somebody posted on facebook like these i know you know the old school white shoes that everybody yeah. has yeah. with the little bells on them well they took them out the store and so when i went to go look for them for my nephew and my sister they're like yeah nah they weren't good for the kids feet why not for 30 years these shoes have been perfect right probably the reason why my ass got low arches and flat feet now but for 30 years we've been walking in these shoes and then right. someone comes along and says uh nah they're gonna fuck your kids feet up and then you're like Oh well, um, I guess not. You know, right. I guess we got to go find more, you know, foot friendly shoes. Right. Like, and what and, is that? And what is that? And so I think it's 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 just so for me. It's just so scary. Like I want to roll over on the baby. I want to put the baby in the bed. Like you know, I'm a, I'm a heavy sleeper. I want to wake up in time to feed the baby. Like right. I like my sleep. Like so. There's just so many things that you kind of like that you're just worried about. Like mm-hmm. you just. Once again, it's the only job. If you screw up, you're going to screw up real, real bad. Really bad. Yeah, exactly. Like, 
I don't I don't know if I sort of thought about it in in that way and I guess because like those are those are not the things that I think about largely because I'm not having I'm not having a baby right now. Um maybe ever. Like maybe <laughs> ever after this series. <laughs> I don't know. Uh but the, but the thing that is always very interesting is just sort of like everything that you're saying like there's a hint of like clear unknown like you're just like yes. clearly like you don't know what's going to happen you know and it, and and in that void it's just like well i'm just gonna i'm just gonna be scared like yeah I, and honestly you can only do what you know how to do like you can only do what you will know how to do and i mean i've had conversation with people and they're like oh your mothering instinct is going to kick in well, you when? Hope? I hope because there's some people who I've seen with kids who clearly their mothering instinct has never kicked in. These bastards is 40 years old and their mother is still jacked up. And Why you're like, you like this. I don't, right. Why are you like this? I don't. I don't want the dysfunctional kids. Right. I don't want the. And so, you know, and I work in um, I work in a group home mm-hmm. with children who have been removed from their home because their parents no longer can take care of them. Right. I see these kids every single day. I can identify what their parents do right and what their parents do wrong. Mm-hmm. However, at the moment they're doing what they know how to do right. to the best of their to the best of their ability. Mm-hmm. Kids are jacked up. <laughs> <laughs> and it just just turns out that way and it just turns out that way and i'm just like i just i just don't want to jack my child up right that's it oh man like (laughs) there are just so many things like it's it's that idea of of there are so many things that are like up in the air and it's like how do you guard against it like like how can you guard again and and there's really and and it's identifying sort of that it it's like what is it that you're trying to guard against to begin with? I mean, and that's the thing, though. Like, it could be anything. It, when they're little, is flu and cold and measles and mumps and chicken pox. And mm-hmm. then it, when they get older, is kidnappings. And then the it, when they become teenagers, is <laughs> drugs and gangs and fights and God knows what else. Like, mm-hmm. the it always changes and as a parent you just i I, I don't know i don't know i just don't know (laughs) (laughs) so do you think that it's true that it takes a village to raise a child i absolutely do um i have a really really strong family um around me My, my it was my parents and then um, it was my my grandmother and my grandmother mm-hmm. did a lot of our raising and, you know, instilled in me some some really, really, really good things. And I had a great support of friends and a great support of family members. And like my best friend, her family became my family. We've mm-hmm. been um, family for so long. So I think it's necessary. I think you cannot do this by yourself. You mm-hmm. cannot do this. Um, alone. Um, unfortunately, we're in an age where it's hard to identify a village. Right. It's hard to trust people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it, it's. It, I think it's so hard to trust people, especially with your child. Like I think that is one of the hardest things that I'm thinking about. Is like even now, I don't quite want my baby to go to daycare when I have mm-hmm. to go back to work. But I don't. I haven't identified anybody who can watch my baby since my my parents live in another state. Right. So. It's difficult um, 
to kind of figure out who is going to be your child's village. Because Mm -hmm. I think also what you allow in their life is Mm -hmm. um, help shape and helps mold them in for the better or for the worse. Right. You have to be, you know, your child is not old enough to realize that and your child is not old enough to understand that, but you have to be the kind of the doorkeeper to try to protect them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's scary because you're right. I think that I think that there is a always a phil- philosophical conversation that's had around the world getting crazier, but it's really sort of it's always this question of, you know, is the world indeed getting crazier or is it a situation of we are so hyper connected to everything that's happening that it seems like it's crazier. Like, and, it, and it's a, it's always a question of like, well, no, when these things were happening when you were a kid as well, um, but there was no Facebook and there was no Twitter and, you know, and, and there was no 24-hour news cycle. Right. So, you know, all of these things were still happening, but now you're sort of hypervigilant of, about them mm-hmm. because they're, whether or not you want them doesn't matter. It's going to be served to you automatically. On a platter. Um I think it's a combination of both. I think that now that we have this onslaught of just constant information, that we're Mm -hmm. constantly receiving information via Facebook, via Instagram, via Twitter, via 24-hour, like we're honestly always, 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 always seeing whatever's going on, Mm -hmm. you know. Something happened in London 20 years ago. It's going to take us at least six hours to figure it out. Right. Something happens in London now. We're going to know now. Right. Um, but I also think that it has been ratcheted up. I think mm-hmm. the, the level, the intensity, I think, you know, some of these things that are happening are, are greater. Like the, the, it's, it's happening more mm-hmm. where, you know, Columbine was, I remember the day, like, I remember Columbine. Mm-hmm. I remember that day. I remember that feeling. I remember having to go to school the next day. Somebody, I mean, Sandy Hook was also tragic. Right. I remember that day not a, not as vividly as I remember Columbine. Right. Um. And honestly, between then, there has been how many other school shootings that we can't call. Right. That you know we you know took a pause for and right then and there. Now I'm now I'm just thinking of Virginia Tech, but. How many times have our parents been able to name mass school shootings? Right. I mean, just in my years of going to school, I can name three. Right. Whereas I don't think our parents had to deal with that. Right. Um, Theirs was what? War and... You know, ducking under using desk as yeah. I I guess they had. I guess they had to do with for war. Yeah, like Cold War fallout. uh, You know, depending on where your where your parents fall. uh, You know, Vietnam. Maybe a little some race riots. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, you know, but the uh, but to your point, like we're dealing with maybe new new sort of faces of race riots. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we're dealing with sort of this new anxiety around sending your children to school and hoping that they come home, oh gosh, you know, absolutely. unscathed. Absolutely. Um, both in the sense of being aware of, you know, people bringing guns to school, but also in the sense of 
um, you know, them suffering violence at the hand of one of their other kids, you know, one of the kids there after what just happened with that young lady in, in Delaware. Delaware. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that I often have a conversation with about my fiance is that um, we have three kids from his previous um, marriage mm-hmm. and they're teenagers. We have two in private. They're mm-hmm. twins. And we have um, one in um, public. Mm-hmm. And I said, one of, I think, the difficulties that parents, African-American parents have who are long removed from living in a city Mm -hmm. is that we don't have a school for our children. Mm -hmm. We don't have a school that teaches our children their history. Mm -hmm. The better, more affluent neighborhoods we live in, the further we get away from us. Right. The... Closer we get to us, the more we get into the violence, the more we get into not quite having schools that are conducive Mm -hmm. to learning. Mm -hmm. And, you know, our job is to make sure our kids go to college. Right. Unless they're scoring 30 points a night or a super duper A student, Mm -hmm. they're not all getting there from inner city schools. So it's always that, that balance of what do you do Mm -hmm. with your child? And I think this generation has probably the hardest time because like I said, the closer, the, the more money you make, the closer you get away from the inner city Mm -hmm. where you get that, you will get that culture in your school, Mm -hmm. but you may not get that quality education. Right. Or you have a child who's going to get that quality education, but that child is not going to be in a place where they are. Um, I remember having a conversation with one of our kids about how they were ready to celebrate um, some, some, some day in his school and his school had not acknowledged black history month whatsoever. Not one Martin Luther King poster, not not one thing. And he took it upon himself, and I was very, very proud of him for to post up pictures of black people and say, we do matter. Mm-hmm. And this was like, I think this was his first year of school, which is very, very bold of him because he, he goes to a predominantly white school. It's, mm-hmm. public, it's Catholic. Um, and so it's always that that balance and then also in addition to that worrying about their safety Mm -hmm. you know worrying about you know i think even in schools that are private where there is a perceived Mm -hmm. thought of safety well they may be safe physically Mm -hmm. what are your kids enduring emotionally right are they outcasts right there's a lot of drugs in, in, in there's a lot of drugs in, in private schools because mm-hmm. there's more access to money, there's more access to these other things. What are the other things that my children are have access to that I'm trying to protect them from? So right. there's always some kind of battle and there's no place for us right. on either side. So it, it's definitely it's it's a fear, it's a concern mm-hmm. all the way around. So yeah, so let me then let me take you right into into the core of this of just sort of you know being being a mom of of black children sort of like what is that like 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 given given sort of the the current social climate like how do you feel about bringing like a a black baby into this world um it's it's definitely scary it's definitely scary today i was just reading um an article about the gun that 
was used to kill Trayvon Martin mm-hmm. that was sold on the internet for $120,000 plus. Mm-hmm. Um, and how these proceeds were going to go towards an anti-Black Lives Matter something, something, something of another. I wanted to cry. Like, mm-hmm. I just sat at my computer and in the work, you can't be fucking kidding me. Like, yeah. like you just can't be serious. It's, 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 it's nerve wracking because um, even with, you know, at one time I thought that, you know, I'm a woman, although I'm black. I know, you know, I still have to be cautious, but I'm a woman. Mm-hmm. So I'm protected. And then Sandra Bland happens and then I'm not protected anymore. Right. So now I have to have the con- same conversation with my sons that I have with my daughter mm-hmm. about police and about how to behave with police are. It's scary. Yeah. It's absolutely scary. Um and there's nothing like there's nothing that you can do but make sure that they are prepared mm-hmm. and pray. But like those are the only two things that you absolutely can do is right. just make sure that they are responding to the situation in the best possible way that will cause the best possible outcome mm-hmm. and pray that the best possible outcome is that they keep their lives. Right. Yeah, I mean I I can't I think if if there was a number one thing Outside of the cost of raising children and just the general pain of getting them here, like the actual <laughs> physical pain that is placed on your body of getting them here. Um, I think that sort of trying to figure out, you know, how to keep them safe, both in the context of, you know, like you were saying, like around school to ensure that you're not being outcasted, you're not being sort of set aside because of someone else's preconceived notions based on just how you look, but also sort of ensure that you get home safe every day because you're not being profiled based on how you look according to someone else's preconceived, you know, impression of you. In in a sense that, and and especially when we're talking about power dynamics, you Mm -hmm. know, it's just sort of one of those things where how how do you talk about these things mm-hmm. with children but also what i what i want to talk to you about is in knowing sort of everything that's happening you know when when you have this baby how how are you planning on balancing knowing these things with ensuring that your child gets to be raised and experience life as exactly that a child and you're not sort of pushing them into things that they quite possibly may not be ready for, but it's a reality that they have to be introduced to. I think, um, I think them having a childhood, making sure that they're doing things like playing and being normal, but Mm -hmm. you know, just making sure that they're enjoying life and creating memories will always preserve their childhood. Mm -hmm. Um, knowing what they can handle, knowing what conversations are appropriate um, at any age. Um, I have a friend who has a who has a three year old, and so she's already starting to teach her son about who can touch him in mm-hmm. you know who can you know good areas for people to touch him in and bad areas for people mm-hmm. to touch him in, and what he does when. That happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's sad that we have that we, but that's the world that we live in. Mm-hmm. But if it's necessary, it's it's kind of easy. I think if you learn kind of how to break that down as a child, um, 
and, it, and, and it's to your own discretion. You can't just wake up and be like, the white man can't come get you. Stay woke. <laughs> like, because you don't want them to be fearful. Like, you just, <laughs> you don't want them to be fearful. Right. And I think, um, I think my dad did a really, really, really good job at um, having these conversations mm-hmm. with us at a very young age. And... But teaching us about our history and teaching us about our power and teaching us about what we can do mm-hmm. in spite of, in the face of how we can move. And so learning that from my family, and then I have family who has Southern roots. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, hearing conversations with my grandfather who grew, grew up in the Deep South and hearing mm-hmm. conversations with my grandmother who grew up in the Deep South. They were real conversations, but it never made me afraid. It never right. made me scared. It never, and I never felt like I was stripped of my childhood. Mm-hmm. I felt like they were pouring in history. And now, when I realized, like, it's kind of prepper. They were preparing me. They were right. preparing me of saying, "This is something that's not going to go away." Absolutely. Um, so it's a balance. It's a balance. I think you, you have to use your discretion. You never want your child to be fearful. Um, where they, they fear, they actually have like a, you don't want them to be crippled by their fear, more mm-hmm. so to speak, but to be, to give them reasons to be knowledgeable and be feel empowered mm-hmm. and allow them to learn through whatever experiences are going to come. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I think that's right. Like, I, I think it it has to be sort of a balance of knowing the facts, but also sort of feeling empowered as to how, you know, how you're going, to, just being aware that you're going to have to act a certain way and it's going to be expected of you to act one way. And, and you're always sort of balancing this, this line. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know if I can necessarily speak for you, but I know for myself, like, as a kid that sort of spent like half of my life growing up in the inner city and then my parents moved us to the suburbs to sort of have this thing where I ha I feel like I have to walk this tightrope of, of not necessarily saying like, no, I'm not them. Right. But then also saying like, I'm also not you. Like, like exactly. I'm, I'm not this, this weird sort of, like it's it's this weird place where sometimes you feel like you're you're you just don't fit all the time and i i watched um the cast of blackish um they were talking about their episode hope on on paley fest and um jennifer lewis who plays um grandma ruby on the show she was saying how you know she watched the episode with her daughter and she was just saying like after it went off like she just looked at her daughter and said like I'm sorry that you guys still have to fight just as hard as we had to. Right. Like, and she's like, I get that the fight is a little bit different yet. Some of the tactics that are being sort of laid down at you are, are very much the same. She was like, but I just didn't think that you all would have to still fight this hard, you right. know, to kind of be heard to, you know, be seen as equal to kind of push through these things. Um, you know, and I, and I think as a, a parent, I think I, I just think that it's hard for you to kind of see that, and especially like 
I don't think it, I don't think this is an if thing. I think this is a win thing as, you know, black parents or, or parents of color, when your child comes home and they have this sort of realization that they're a little bit different than, you know, everyone else around them, especially if they go to a school that is, you know, predominantly not like them or predominant, their class predominantly doesn't look like them. Um, it tends to be sort of a situation where you have to kind of walk them through that and and you want them to hold their head up, but you're just heartbroken about that as well. Absolutely. Um, and I, I agree with having to feel like walking that, that tightrope and walking that line. Cause I was the child who did not fit in. Mm-hmm. And so I went to, I was fortunate. I, I went to a, a very, very diverse high school. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have to feel like, I needed to be one person and then turn around and be another person. And so even to this day, like we have, there are so many people um, of my high school and we all kind of intermingle, co-mix. And I think at one time my high school was voted the most diverse high school in New Jersey. Oh, wow. So um, that was a, a great thing. But I remember being in kindergarten and I was like one of like three black people. Mm-hmm. And the whole entire class. Right. And I kind of, I guess I didn't realize it. I didn't really pay attention to it. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't such a big thing. I don't think anyone made it for it, made it be a big thing. But I remember just dealing with my nieces, my, my, my nephew in particular, when he had the realization that you're a little bit different, Mm -hmm. there was lice going around. And one of the kids told him, oh, don't worry. You don't have to get lice because black people don't get lice. And I kind of giggled at it a little <laughs> bit because it was something I would say. Right. But it made me feel uncomfortable because it was something that this third grader mm-hmm. said to my nephew, which means you're picking up that conversation mm-hmm. from someone else. Right. And so how far is this conversation about black people going right. in your house? And if you're bold enough to say that, then what else are you going to say and so um, I think because I have that experience of being the quote unquote different black girl, I could share that with my kids um, because that's one of the things that I, I was. I, you know, I was told so many times, oh, you talk too proper. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've even had somebody, one of the kids that I work with tell me that I wasn't black enough. Cool. Thanks. I appreciate right. that. Meanwhile, he wasn't black either. <laughs> Thanks for your input. Right. Like, I'm just like, okay. <laughs> okay. okay. I mean, you're, you're 14 years old and what you say, I don't put any stock in. Right. But it's always funny about having this conversation about like, like if people are black enough, like mm-hmm. really? Like, are we really, you know, even, even I was appalled by the conversation in 2008 when President Obama was Running. Okay, it was 2008. I had to think back a little bit. But I said, are we really having this conversation? Like, Mm -hmm. are we really having this conversation? Um, To be honest, I agree with Jennifer Lewis. I did not think we would be still fighting this fight. Mm -hmm. At this... I I thought... Let me take that back. I thought that we would fight this fight. I thought it would be at different levels. I didn't think that we would still have to resort to rioting mm-hmm. in streets and seeing black men laying in grounds 
that part I thought we were over. Like mm-hmm. that part I thought we were afraid of. I didn't think that. I remember my grandmother telling me like uh, she was afraid to walk some roads because the KKK mm-hmm. would ride through those roads. I didn't think we were going to be back at a place where our kids are afraid to walk the roads because it's no longer the KKK, but now it's the cops. Right. It's it, it's mind blowing to me. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's it's almost this you you can't be serious. Like you cannot be serious. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think that we'd be at this place where we're seeing so much um, injustice, even. As to all of these black men are being killed and all these cops is just like folks are just walking away Mm -hmm. that no one's being held for this. Like, I remember the day when the verdict came out for Trayvon Martin and I was in D.C. and I was like, I I can't believe it. Like, cried, like cried Mm -hmm. real tears. I can't believe it. Mm -hmm. I cannot believe it. Right. Um, So I. I'm very shocked at where we are mm. um, as Americans, period. Yeah, absolutely. So are there things that you sort of see in yourself or see in the world that you feel like you actively will have to try and work to like not put that into your kid or like curb your kid from that? I do not want my child to... <laughs> I'm always late. <laughs> I procrastinate. Like if I can get my child to be on time and not leave anything to the last possible moment. Right. I definitely would like love to like try to curb that as much as I absolutely can. Right. Um, I think more so I remember someone is just telling the story about how someone's child, they took their child off of Facebook. Um, because the child was suicidal because uh because they were being bullied over the internet. Mm-hmm. I definitely think that's like one of the things that I want to like protect my child from. I think um you know with kids like you know trying to get as many likes and all mm-hmm. of these things you're putting a false false value mm-hmm. into a picture. Right. Like into a picture. Um, but yeah, if, if I can just get my child to like show <laughs> up be places on time. on time and not procrastinate, that would be awesome. So then, yeah, like let me let me then talk to you about sort of where do you land as far as like integrating social media into your parenting and in regard as far as like sharing photos, videos and different things like that. Um, I've become more and more um, private as I've gotten older. Mm hmm. So maybe like five years ago, I'd have had everything on Facebook and social media. I'm very, very selective about what I post about me mm-hmm. um, there. As of now, I'm very, very weary. I had a, I saw someone have her pictures taken off of Facebook. Mm-hmm. And the woman claimed that her kids were the woman's kids. And Yikes. like renamed them and everything. Right. And I'm just like, no. No, we we know who them kids is. Like right. we know them, um, and that that kind of scared me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like that was like, and then you just don't know who's behind. Like you know, like I'm very strict about who my friend list is. I just don't mm-hmm. friend anyone. Um, but you don't know who's someone else's friend. So it's right. not my friends who I'm worried about. It's my friend's friends. And so if someone shares my picture, someone likes my picture, it automatically pops up on somebody else's feed, right? And then somebody else is somebody else's feed. So. Um, 
I am, as of now, anti-kids on Facebook and social media. You may see their feet, like the top <laughs> of their head, like, but you'll right. never see like their face. Like right. you'll see like their arms, their, you'll never see their Getting face. Getting mad artsy with it. Yeah. Nice. yeah it's going to be real eclectic. <laughs> <laughs> so like, tell me what has been the best thing about being pregnant? Um, that people are usually just really, really nice to you. Like people are like, oh, you're pregnant. And they like, just like try to give you everything that you absolutely want. <laughs> um, it allows you to eat like all the weird foods that you probably want to eat and like not be judged for it. Right. Like what? Like fish sticks in a fixed and, and jello and jello. Yeah, that's yeah. disgusting. I don't care. It was good to me. That's so gross. Like it, it, it was good to me. Like last night, I had salad, applesauce, and ice cream for dinner, and it was like it was. That's all I wanted. <laughs> that was all I wanted, and I was happy. And like it just allows you to kind of just freelance and do whatever you want. You don't have to follow like these restrictive like man-made rules about food. Cool. Yeah. Like yeah. I mean, there. Sure. There. There are no rules about fish sticks and Jello. Mm-hmm. Aside from the fact that. In my personal life, like they fall one in two for the most disgusting foods on the planet. Like, like as far as foods that I just do, like, wholly do not fuck with, it is fish sticks and then Jello. But you know what? I've I've actually come to realize that I'm one of those people who kind of likes the things that people don't quite like really really like yeah. so i have a case of applesauce like i love applesauce is cool applesauce like that good. i'll eat uh what is it cranberry sauce like just i'll just eat cranberry sauce like, like the canned cranberry sauce yes like i'll just cut it up and eat it for a snack no no turkey or thanksgiving eat it just just the, cran- just just the cranberry, cranberry sauce. sauce like just a good old that's very honey boo boo of you because she <laughs> felt the same way about cranberry sauce like she loved that shit <laughs> Really? Yes. I forgot about that. I actually watched that show. Oh, wow. Yeah, Yeah. she loved that shit. Like, between those little cheesy balls and canned cranberry sauce. Like, I... I'm telling you, you get yourself a can of Ocean Spray cranberry sauce, put it in the refrigerator a little bit, have a nice little chill on it. It's right there. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you got that? Cool, cool, cool. You got that? Um... What's what's the worst thing about being pregnant? The worst thing about being pregnant, I think all the physical changes that your body goes through that no one quite tells you about. Mm. Like, you know that you're going to like pee 20 times a night, but no one tells you like, if you so happen to like need to hold your pee, you're not going to be able to do that. <laughs> um, or if you're going to do it, you're not going to be able to do it for long. Um, like today, I felt like my legs were just going to detach from my body and run away. Um, like from like nerve pain or? It, it's it's a weird like kind of aching feeling okay. that you get, but like it's just this like lower aching feeling that I get and just... It's just there. And so like this is I, I can't imagine what my face looks like right now because this sounds horrid. This sounds absolutely terrible. I haven't been able to sleep on my stomach in about two months. Um, and I like am a 
good, like a avid stomach sleeper. Um, I've learned how to like rotate in bed without like rotating on my stomach. Like you have to learn how to like rotate. You got to kind of, I'm at the point where I kind of got a rock to like, like to get up. I got to like <laughs> slip down a little right. bit. I got a rock. Um, so I think all of like the changes that your body goes through is probably like the absolute worst. Like I would no. This morning I was at work and um I I don't know what I was doing, but I just know no I just know out of out of nowhere my boob just started hurting. Like something <laughs> like somebody just punched the hell out of my boob and like just one boob was just aching. Right. And it wouldn't go away. <laughs> And I'm like, I have a meeting in like a half an hour and I'm just like holding on to my breast like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, could you please, could you please stop? Like, oh my gosh. Like, so like being cold, being pregnant and cold is not fun being pregnant in like kind of like the wintertime or whatever you call this season that we're in mm. is not fun because like my boobs just hurt <laughs> and there's nothing you can do about it. Like there's nothing you can absolutely do about it, right. but just... Just rock, just hold and rock. All and just hope it ends. And hope it ends one day, eventually, soon. <laughs> yeah, this it doesn't. It doesn't seem like it doesn't sound like it doesn't sound fun. Like I know, like at the end, you're like, baby, yeah. But right now, it's just like this shit ain't worth it, man. I'm telling you. At least I'm at the. I'm out of the phase where like all I want to do is sleep. Because I promise you, like, you feel like you understand, like, when you become pregnant, now you understand why, like, lions can sleep for, like, 16 hours a day. (laughs) Because all you want to do is just sleep. Like, oh, I literally, I just got out of bed 10 minutes ago. (laughs) I can go back right now. Right. Like, and be okay with it. So, yeah, now I'm finally out of that phase where I kind of don't want to sleep anymore. Okay. So, outside of the the worst things that you just listed, which were, (laughs) this is a lot. That was a lot. Like, what do you want people to know about being pregnant? Like, like what do you wish you would have known before becoming pregnant? Mm. Well, I want people, don't touch me. Okay. Let, let's start there. Like I, in Pennsylvania, is a law that you're not allowed to touch pregnant people without their permission. Like, I think you it's it's a chargeable offense. Like you can like, oh like some, assault or yeah something. like assault. Like oh, somebody okay. can press charges on you if you touch a pregnant person without her permission. I wish we had that law in New Jersey. Um, I'm not quite at that point, but I've had friends who are like at that point. Mm-hmm. I'm not a puppy. I'm not Buddha. I'm not anything furry like do not touch me don't rub me right. it's not the blarney stone it's not good look like none of that like <laughs> this none is of not that. the apollo hello like no right um what i'm trying to think what i wish i knew i think i was i wish i would have been prepared for like the like the discomfort kind of like mm-hmm. in these stages because they kind of tell you like oh you're going to be uncomfortable but you don't think about it and because you think like oh i'm not going to be uncomfortable and so i'm like six seven months pregnant right like no one tells you about it like so early on mm-hmm. and like so so early on into your pregnancy like i went to the doctor and i'm like oh my gosh like i have like a list of things and i'm like okay this hurts that hurts this hurts that hurts and he looks at me he's like well what's your problem right You're pregnant like 
Yes. Yeah. He's like, he's like, it's supposed to hurt. I'm like, well, why didn't you tell me that? And he's right. like, well, if I wrote down every symptom, I would run out of room. So wow. just, you just come to me as it goes along and I'll tell you whether it's normal. Right. And so that's what we've been doing. And so far it's worked out. Shit. Like that's <laughs> like, to me, like that's absolutely insane. Like that's absolutely <laughs> insane. Like completely unlike, <laughs> no, thank you. Because he looked at me like, what the hell are you complaining for? He's like, you're, you're pregnant. What the hell are you complaining for? He, you, like, you rattled everything off and he's like, hashtag the facts. Hello. Like, seriously. Mark. And I had I had a little nice little notepad and I was ready to like, okay, so what am I supposed to do with it? And he's like, live. <laughs> it's like, um, I want a new doctor. Thank you. He's brutally honest. And this, this is one of the reasons why I absolutely love him. He's brutally honest. <laughs> like I, I need a new doctor I don't like that. I don't like <laughs> so have you thought about a push present <sighs> okay so i have thought about a push present um and i brought it up to uh, my lovely other half <laughs> and because he's older than me he asked me what the hell was i talking about right and was like um I thought your gift for being pregnant and pushing the baby out is the baby. Right. And so I was like, but no, I get a gift from you. And he's like, I know the baby. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise. Right. I'm like, but no, it's like, it's a thing. Like I, so I Googled it and I printed it out and he ripped it up and threw it out. (laughs) It was just like, so um, when you, whenever you want to be done with this ridiculousness, you can be done with it. Um, so I'm just trying to persuade him. Right. You've got some time. Seven I do. Weeks, you, you I, got do. I, I do. I do. I'm trying to persuade him to get me like a push present. Although I really don't know what I want. Um, a nice handbag would go well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't want to be selfish. So I want to like tie something into like the baby. No, no, it's, it's all for you. Like it's like go Janet Jackson with it. It is all for you. <laughs> like don't, don't go down that road of, oh, it should be for the baby. Cause the next thing you're going to do is you're going to get yourself a fancy diaper bag. And that's yeah, not what you want. See, exactly. And that's, that's, that, that, that's like, that was, I was kind of trying to think about dual things. So I know I was like, oh, well, what? So I think. I'm probably down to starting because I haven't started my Pandora bracelet. I'm like, mm-hmm. this will be like a great time yeah. to start my Pandora bracelet. There you go. And all he has to do is buy just like one charm at a time and fill it up. Fill it on up. I mean, I feel like pushing out a baby though, like that's a, that's a solid five charms. Like I deserve a something. solid five charms. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think so. I'm thinking I'm letting, letting them off easy. So I, I deserve something. So like, like. Three at a minimum, but yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I five think I, on a whole. I know, like I think I think I, de- I deserve something. So I'm gonna see what I can like convince him to do because he's like, look, he's he's old school, so he's like, look, fair enough. Um, so yeah, I'm just I'm just trying to do some convincing. <laughs> so I want to wrap up by asking you the signature question of the podcast, and that is, what is the best advice that you have never taken? In general? Yeah, in general. Um, the best advice that I've never taken is my mother told me to be more mindful with my credit. And in my 20s, especially my early 20s, I jacked it all up. 
<laughs> I mean, I jagged my credits bad in my right. 20s. So I, I wish I would have watched over my credit a lot more um, in my 20s. Cool. That, yeah. that is good advice, though. That's, that's very good advice. Uh, Keisha, thank you so, so much for being a guest on Reluctantly Adult. I really appreciate you doing this. Thank you. I had fun. Awesome. And that's it. I really want to thank Lakeisha for being a guest on Reluctantly Adult. Uh, I appreciated her candidness around sort of the alternative ways of thinking of safety when you think of your child's education and also sort of how she takes the experience that she has with working with children that are in group homes and sort of actively tries to apply some of those lessons to the way that she intends to raise her child. Um, And I also appreciate her levity around the crazy things that she just decides to eat because, you know, hey, you got to do what you got to do. This episode was amazing. I really, really did enjoy speaking with both Sherelle and Lakeisha about their experiences as um, pregnant women currently with their first children and just sort of how, although some of their opinions were similar, sort of their approaches to them were completely different. Um, And that sort of allows you to see just how, no matter what the end goal is, there are several different ways for folks to kind of get there. Um, Oh, I have an announcement to make. Uh, Reluctantly Adult will now be released on Sundays. Um, Just making a little scheduling change. And you can also now find Reluctantly Adult on the Black Tribbles podcast network. Uh, I just recently got picked up by those guys. So, um... That's not going to change anything for me, but just want to let you guys know that I am going to be a part of that collective of other sort of black nerds um, that are looking at black culture from various different angles. And I think you all might enjoy sort of checking that out. So there'll be a link on the website for those things uh, for you to check out the Black Tribbles and sort of the Black Tribble universe. So tell me what you thought. You can leave me a comment on the website at www.ireluctantlyadult.com or you can follow me on Instagram at ireluctantlyadult or on Twitter at reluctantlyadlt. You can also rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on both iTunes and Google Play. If you have an idea for a topic or you just want to send a voice note to tell me what you feel or think about the episode, you can email me at ireluctantlyadult at gmail.com. Also, I'd like to thank Christopher Davis for my intro and my outro music. Um, If you like his music and you want to hear more of it, you can find him on SoundCloud uh, at CRD Music, and his username is CRD128. Also, thank you to the amazing Ken Griffin for my incredibly dope logo. And as always, thank you to all of you for listening. I'll see you next time.